Hey, it's Kanzano. I appreciate you making this podcast part of your day. Make sure you subscribe if you want more and leave us some feedback. Away we go. Initialize sequence. Welcome to The Baldcast, a production of John Kanzano's Bald Face Truth. From the Pac West Center in downtown Portland, presented by High Caliber Millwrights, here's John Canzano with the bald faced truth. A couple of seasons ago, the University of Portland women's basketball team won the WCC tournament. It was a big moment for Michael Meek's program, it was a big moment for Scott Lakeham's athletic department. Automatic bid, going dancing. We all know what happened to the NCAA tournament in 2020. Canceled. Shut down. They didn't get to play. Got robbed. Well, they're back. Here's the final call as number two seed, University of Portland, upset number one seed, Gonzaga, to win the WCC Conference Tournament Championship today in Las Vegas. Just happened uh, just a bit ago. What an unbelievable comeback by this Portland team. They did a phenomenal job of playing together. They were able to distribute the basketball and get the looks that they wanted. This was a great team effort here by this Portland team. There it was in Vegas. Here to talk about it, the athletic director at the University of Portland, Scott Lakeham. He's on the scene in Vegas with his team. Congratulations. Uh, Going dancing again. John, can you just keep playing that over and over for me? <laughs> How fun was that for you to watch? It was pretty, pretty fun. And you, I mean, you said what I was going to say. I think one of the most difficult moments that I teared up was three years ago when I told this same group that they weren't going dancing, right? That we had made it and the tournament was canceled. And now to see the look in the eyes of that core group and knowing that they're going to get to do it this year is just so special. Yeah, you you mentioned that. I never really thought about the fact that you probably had to go into a room and tell them and give them and deliver them the bad news a few years ago. Yeah, there were there were some waterworks in that room that day. Um, it was not a lot of fun, but what we told them in that moment is, Mike and I, there would be other opportunities, but to be grateful that they had made it three years ago. Because, as you know, so many conference tournaments were canceled, and we were one of the last ones that finished. So they at least got to to cut down the net and have that moment. And lo and behold, as I'm watching them mop up confetti here, we got that moment again today. Yeah, you're in the arena, and it, it was a comeback today. And there was a moment probably uh, you know midway through this game where it looked like Gonzaga was going to run away. They were threatening to get up double digits and – and walk away with it. What turned in the game? I, I think our team believed. I, I was concerned. I'll be honest. We had a, a nail biter 22 hours ago. I think what really helped is we we ratcheted up our press big time and got a very good Gonzaga team. That you know they turned the ball over 24 times, and most of those uh, were in the second half. And we turned those turnovers into buckets. I think. Points off turnovers was 29 to 11. So that's, you know, that's your game. Into the game, uh, you know, you had the lead. 
you're you're shooting some free throws with 1.7 seconds loss left in the game. Were you afraid to celebrate prematurely, or did you feel like, hey, it's in hand? I'm not crying. You're crying. I, I may have been crying. I wanted to that to my wife, but uh, I, I thought we were. I thought we were in pretty good shape. And you know, you you cry for the kids that they get this opportunity. You cry for the the coaches that have worked their whole life to get there, and you cry for your ticket manager and your strength and conditioning coach and your athletic trainer and the people that work in silence 78 hours a week that nobody sees that are going to get to get on that charter flight and go to the NCAA tournament in 10 days. Pretty cool. Scott Lakeham with us, University of Portland Athletic Director. Let's talk about the roster. I Before the commercial break, I started looking at the roster. Seven players from Australia, three from New Zealand, three from Washington, one from Oregon, one from California, one from Utah. Uh, where are you on like the like how that roster came to be? Well, it's a lot like, you know, St. Mary's is my alma mater. It's a lot like Randy Bennett first built that St. Mary's roster where we had Haley Andrews came over by herself, you know, now five years ago. Um, it was, you know, a, a point guard that nobody else offered us at Division One level that believed in Portland. And Haley had a good experience. And, you know, sometimes it's better to be lucky than good, right? Haley's from, what, five or 6,000 miles away? Uh, there happened to be a player from the same town as her named Alex Fowler that wanted to play with Haley. And then it, it just kind of come from there. You know, Haley and Alex have had good experiences. And the, some of the, you know, the best junior national team players in Australia and New Zealand have followed them. Uh, and I think, and this is credit to Mike, you know, now we have, you know, Maisie Burnham is from Washington and Mike's daughter's from Oregon. And, you know, tomorrow in the OSAA semifinals in Childs will be, Clackamas versus Beaverton with a, a UP scholarship commit on both teams. So the Australia pipeline is very important, but you know we're pleased as punch to be getting two of the top players in the state of Oregon next year too. Give me an idea because so much of the revenue from the NCAA tournament on the men's side is public. We don't talk about it as much on the women's side. How do the tournament units work there? Uh, or is this just, uh, is the funding that comes into your athletic department only come from the men's tournament? Uh, the, the, we get, I mean, and I have to look at the amount, um, but we get a stipend from the WCC and the NCAA that basically pays for travel. It's not much more. Um, all the tournament money goes to the conference. And then, you know, like Gonzaga and St. Mary's on the men's side, they get the lion's share of it because, frankly, I, I think – They've earned it. This is one of the things, and maybe a future summer discussion for you and I, that I've been championing and a lot of other athletic directors as part of this transformation committee is there should be units as part of women's basketball. I'm not saying it should it should be the same amount of money. I think it should be a percentage of whatever the TV rights agreement is. But there should be something that um, you can invest back in your program, right? Because, you know, we're not done. We want to do this again. But there there should be something in the long term. Um, some sort of unit formula, and I'm, you know, I'm disappointed we haven't gotten to figure it out yet. Yeah, and, and again, it would have to come with restructuring, expanding the tournament. Where do you stand on that? I've, I've heard different people talk about wanting to add, you know, four teams or 15, 16 teams. Uh, you know, where does, where do you stand on the expansion of NCAA basketball in the tournament? I, I think we should expand a lot of. A lot of sports. I, I just finished as chair of the NCAA Division One Women's Soccer Committee. 
I think we should add, you know, 24, 32 teams to all of those fields. And I, you know, especially with the Power Five, I mean, and I know you've probably talked about it on the show before, those at-large bids are, what, 80% Power Five schools now, 75%? I mean, you start to open it up. I mean, I look at, we would have made it in baseball last year. We would have made it in women's basketball last year, right? Um, we would have made it in women's soccer last year. So I think, I think opening up the fields is a, is a good thing. Scott Lakeham with us, University of Portland. Uh, look, you were around this team, uh, and you've been around other successful teams with Michael Meek. What is the secret sauce for Meek at, at UP? You, I think you and I had the same conversation at the arena three years ago. I've never seen a team play for a coach the way they play for him, right? And, and I, the things I wondered about him is, you know, that first year we won, we were picked last, we surprised everybody. You know, can you make it last, right? And we weren't surprising anybody, but we, we kept winning. Um, there's not many teams that press for 40 minutes a game. Um, teams haven't figured that out yet. Um, but he's – and there was a night, and, and I think you wrote about it, you know, four or five years ago now, where I went out and watched him coach at George Fox one night, and I sat seven or eight rows behind the bench – and uh, I had never seen a team look a head coach in the eye and respond to him the way they were responding to him that night. And uh, it took me about five minutes to get hooked on his style. Yeah, really, really good hire. That has to feel good as an AD because you take the heat when you get one wrong. You got this one right. Did you know it right away, or, or do you just know it now? Well, I, I think I think we knew it. We knew it pretty quickly when we won the first year, and we've we've kept winning. Um, you know, they're, they're rewarding. You you kick yourselves for the ones you miss more than the ones you you get right. But um, it feels good to get them right. You know, with with men's soccer and this one and, and baseball turning the corner, it feels good. Scott Lakeham, University of Portland. How will this team celebrate? How soon will we get out of Vegas? Uh, what are you guys doing now? You're I'm assuming you're at at the arena still we are at the arena i'm sitting next to the gonzaga drum set in their band corral you like the scene set <laughs> sitting next to a drum that has a big bulldog on it love it um we were doing a reception out front that we threw together probably chicken fingers and french fries in the parking lot and then we're uh headed to the airport for a 745 flight to uh portland and um i'm gonna go to the airport and uh, try to find a nice glass scotch somewhere and enjoy this i love it you uh you deserve it uh toasting you guys uh but tell me before you go kind of feels good to beat gonzaga doesn't it in basketball it does i mean they you know we have a kind of a kinship with them because we're the two wcc schools that are up in this part of the country and our our departments get along well but yeah john it feels real good to beat them <laughs> scott lakeham hey congratulations appreciate you joining us on short notice Thank you, my friend. All right, there he is, Scott Lakeham, UP Athletic Director. Did he say he was going to get a scotch? Is that what he said, Stephen? Uh, yeah, that is exactly what he said. <laughs> He's going to go have a drink. I love it. Uh, uh, and look, you can hear the emotion. You know, Judah, you know, I, you know, I think we get Michael Meek on the show tomorrow. Let's get the coach. Let's keep the train Why rolling, not? man. Come on. Feeling good. Scott Lakeham going to go get himself a drink at the airport. That's great. Good for him. I'll join him. What time? What time? <laughs> he should t tweet that out. Leave in Vegas. Get a scotch on your way out. Uh, love it. It's a good story. 
uh, NCAA tournament and uh, the University of Portland women's team. They are dancing this March. Leave it here. Back to the bald face truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game. University of Portland uh, will await uh, to find out uh, where they are headed for the women's NCAA basketball tournament. They're in. They're dancing. They know they're going. Good for them. Great opportunity for Michael Meek and his program. And uh, we will wait to see if uh, the University of Oregon can make a run in the men's Pac-12 tournament that will begin tomorrow in Las Vegas. The Ducks get a first-round bye, so they will not be playing until Thursday Play at uh, Thursday at 2.30 is their first game, and they will be playing the winner of Washington State and Cal, the 2.30 game tomorrow. Uh, I believe it will be Washington State, and you believe it will be Washington State, but we'll see if Dana Altman and the Ducks can make a little run. If they can get into the NCAA tournament, it's possible they could go to Sacramento in the first and second round. It's possible they could go to Denver in the first or second round, but we'll keep an eye on the Ducks. Uh, on that note, let's play some Punch It Audio. We interrupt this broadcast with a special announcement from the Bald Face Truth Headquarters. Hey, we're all about truth, justice, and the American way here, okay? Which is why we've spanned the globe and pulled the top audio cuts of the day. You're going to hear little snippets of sound. Hey, it's time for Punch It Audio. Presented by First Call Heating and Cooling. John Skipper, uh, ESPN, formerly the big boss at ESPN gave an interview in which he said he doesn't believe ESPN's out of the Pac-12 negotiation just yet. I will echo that. They are not out of the negotiation. I know that. Here's Skipper, though. Punch it. I'm not certain that uh, ESPN is not interested in being the Pac-12 business. I know it's been reported, but I'm not certain that's true. I think that uh, uh, the ACC should expand uh, or should merge with the Pac-12. 12, which now has 10 teams, I would take eight of those teams, change my footprint, have a 24-team conference with a Western division, and their ACC network footprint would expand to the West Coast. You could probably force a renegotiation with ESPN for a new deal, and you could solve both problems. Uh, the ACC would get more money, expand its footprint, could compete with the SEC and the Big Ten. Yeah, look, if it were only football, John Skipper, that works. Hey, it's great. You could do that. But you got two problems with his scenario. The ACC currently is locked into a contract with ESPN it can't get out of. ESPN's got him in a headlock and has him at a bargain. Meanwhile, the Pac-12, I do believe, is still in play for the ESPN Tier 1 rights, for their Tier 1 rights. I do think ESPN's going to end up as the partner for the Pac-12. I've been saying that for weeks and weeks and weeks. I think Amazon slash Apple will get the rest. That Tier 2 stuff that we like to call the Pac-12 Networks content will go to the streamers. Uh, but I, uh, I hesitate to go with Skipper's plan because it ignores the non-revenue generating sports that the Pac-12 and ACC presidents and chancellors care so much about. Two conferences that value academics that value, even if it is an illusion, the illusion of student-athlete. Pac-12 
12 presidents that I've talked with, including one on this show, Oregon State's new president, President Morthy, uh, talk about culture. They talk about academics. They talk about the student-athlete experience. Football, it works, totally. You could have a 24-team conference. You could spread it out. And hell, why stop there? You could have a 60-team conference and just drop the SEC, the Big Ten, everything, take the top 60 teams, put them in, the, put them in you know, divisions, let them play each other. You could do that. But what do you do with women's basketball, water polo, baseball, softball, track and field? You, you, there's nowhere for them to go, and they're not going to want to fly across the country in baseball and play a three-game series against Georgia Tech. It doesn't work. And so for that reason... Uh, and the fact that the ACC is locked into a deal with ESPN, I think uh, we're looking at seven, eight more years of kind of the same. And I do think the Pac-12, in short order here, is going to announce a deal. And I think they're going to announce that they're going with ESPN and Amazon slash Apple. See what happens. Ben Goldbrinson, quarterback, Oregon State. Talking with reporters from Beaver's Edge. They do a great job covering Oregon State. Goldbrinson talked about his competition, DJ Uyunglele, the transfer quarterback from Clemson. Here's the incumbent talking about the challenger. Punch it. Yeah, no, it's uh, the DJ's a great dude, first of all, and uh, I, I always welcome competition. And I think it, it only iron sharpens iron, and it's only going to make us better. Uh, you know, along with him and Aiden, and, you know, Travis and Dom, we, we got a great quarterback room. Uh, we all understand that, you know, we're all hard workers and we want what's best for the team. At the end of the day, we're, we're going to compete. Look, uh, iron sharpens iron is the right attitude if you're Ben Galbrinson. I don't know that he has a choice, though. Ideally, Oregon State keeps Galbrinson around, and, but blossoms under the leadership of DJ Uyengalele. Keep an eye on that. Steve Ballmer talking about the new stadium that they will open in 2024 and Palmer, forgive me here appears oddly preoccupied with the number of toilets that will be in this new arena Clippers are getting a new arena but they're also getting a bunch of toilets here's Balmer, punch it toilets, 1160 toilets three times the NBA average number of toilets and girls we do not want people waiting in line. We want them to get back to their damn seats. Never before has anybody been more excited about toilets. That uh, includes Russell Wilson and his family who had 12 or 15 of them. Good for Bomber, good for the Clippers. Such a better owner than the last guy. Damian Lillard upset at the officiating. Had his third career triple-double. But uh, Lillard with a little bit of edge here. Punch it. We gotta, you know, we gotta fight for everything at this point. You know, we need every, every win that we can get. And uh, I just want to come out and be aggressive. You know, be in attack mode and you not know, really worry about, you know, the small things. It's just try to get it done. And you know, tonight that's how I play the game. You know, just go out there and try to uh, make things happen. Help on the glass, make plays. You know. Defend, you know, just do all the things that help you win a game. That's just, you know, my approach to, to win the game. I knew it was a back-to-back. -back. Uh, regardless of, you know, their record, they play hard. Uh, they put pressure on teams. And uh, you got to earn your wins. And, you know, it was uh, a game where we could have came in here tired and relaxed and, you know, messed around and let one slip. So, you know, I just wanted to be aggressive and, you know, try to set the tone. 
Portland is 31 and 34. Sounds like they're, today they're not tanking. Tomorrow I'll get back to you. 31 and 34. Same record as the Jazz sitting in the nine spot. Same record as the Lakers in the 11 spot. And the Pelicans in the 12 spot. It's going to be a big bit of a race for the nine and 10 spots in the Western Conference. For now, Blazers going for it. Jerry Palm, CBS Sports, talking about UCLA. Can they get a one seed if they don't win the Pac-12 tournament? Palm says no. Punch it. Well, UCLA, because the thing that's kept UCLA off the top line of the bracket is just the lack of higher quality wins. Until they beat Arizona at home, their best win this entire season was a road win at Maryland. And Maryland is a middle-of-the-bracket team. So, you know, that when you're competing with Kansas and Purdue and, and Arizona and, or, sorry, Alabama and the quality of the wins that those teams can stack and all you've got is now a win over Arizona, that's quite, not quite good enough for me. But if they beat them again in the conference tournament, now, you, now you've got a neutral court win and you beat them two out of three, I think you've got a stronger team. Look, to get to that game against Arizona, UCLA probably going to have to get by Oregon. Keep an eye on that one. Dana Altman on that note. Talking about getting to Friday in a potential matchup against UCLA, frankly, Altman doesn't want to talk about it. He'd rather talk about Thursday, where they'll get the winner of Cal and Washington State. Punch it. There is no Friday if you don't play well Thursday. So you lay it all out there, you'll find the energy to play. You know, I, guys, how we get this? No, you got to win Thursday to play Friday. So you expend whatever you got to expend try to win the game as best you can on Thursday and you'll find enough energy to play Friday and if you're fortunate enough to play Saturday you'll find enough energy to play there still big advantage for Oregon to be in the top four seeds they get to sit on Wednesday which means for Friday and Saturday if they do advance to Friday and Saturday they won't be playing for a fourth straight game huge advantage for Altman he talked about Washington State and Cal Highly probable that they'll get Washington State in their matchup in the second round on Thursday. But here's Dana Altman. He says he did the work on both teams. Punch it. Got both teams scouted. Obviously, we've, we've played both of them recently. And so, um, you know, we've, we've got pretty good scouting material on both of them. It's, it's not that much of an adjustment. You know, when you're playing game to game, day to day. Game to game, day to day, it really just comes down to this Oregon season comes down to a kid like Will Richardson needing to step up. We've seen this in the past. Dylan Brooks, Tyler Dorsey, Jordan Bell saw them all step up when Oregon made a Final Four. Peyton Pritchard saw him step up, getting Oregon, willing them to the next round of a tournament, getting not just to the Final Four in his freshman year, get, getting him back to a Sweet 16 as an upperclassman. Will Richardson needs one of those tournaments. It's time for him to step up. He's been very quiet. He's been soft-spoken. He's been absentee in some big games. Big players, big moments. That's what March is about. And it's those type of comments by Altman that show why he's such a good postseason coach, right? Like, he's not going to look ahead to the next opponent. It's day by day, game by game, and he knows that. Like, he knows for Oregon to get to the NCAA tournament, they have to win on Thursday. It's not that they win on Saturday. they got to take it by one game at a time. And we talk about this with Dan Altman, like, has he lost it? It's these type of things that make me think, you know what, he's still, he's still got it. He's still a real good coach. He's really dangerous right now in a situation like this because UCLA is coming into this tournament shorthanded. No Jalen Clark, their best defender not playing. Oregon is coming into this bracket 
knowing it's got to prove something to make the tournament. It's not quite in yet. But Gary Parrish does believe that Arizona State uh, has a path. And he believes USC is in. How many teams, Parrish, are getting in from the Pac-12? Punch it. I'm not certain. In fact, I'm pretty certain that, that beating Oregon State is not enough for Arizona State. I think they also have to beat USC um, in in the quarterfinals. And then maybe that's enough, maybe it's not. Mm. And that's that's one where I think you're you're still sweating it out through selection Sunday. If you beat uh, USC in the quarters and then lose, let's say, to Arizona in the semis, you'll sweat it out. The question I would have is, does USC have to win that game? Right. Uh, I, I'm less certain of it. Like, I think USC can maybe lose to Arizona State in the quarters and still get there. But ultimately, here's what the way I think it'll play out. Arizona State wins its first round game, beats Oregon State, and then loses a close game to USC. And then Arizona State is, is going to the NIT. And at that point, I think USC is, is safely in the field. Yeah, look, Parrish is talking about something that you know, best case scenario for the Pac-12, I think they already obviously have UCLA and Arizona in. USC likely in. So that's three. I've always felt like the best case for the Pac-12 was for Oregon or Arizona State to advance to the championship game and give the Pac-12 a fourth team. I don't think Oregon needs to win this bracket to get to the tournament. I don't think Arizona State does either. But uh, an Oregon win over UCLA, getting them to the championship game, win or lose, I think Oregon gets into the NCAA tournament. Same goes for Arizona State. So if you want to construct the best possible scenario for the Pac-12, already having UCLA and Arizona and USC likely in the field, the best case scenario would be Arizona State and Oregon on opposite sides of the bracket, both making the championship game. Now, that would give them five. I don't think that's going to happen. Like, I think it's highly unlikely. But I think the Pac-12, I can make a, I can make a case for the Pac-12 getting four teams in the tournament right now. And that case begins with Oregon beating UCLA in their potential matchup on Friday. Or with Arizona State beating Oregon State in the opening round and then beating USC in the second round. I think that gets you a fourth team from the Pac-12 in the field. Anna's going to pop into the studio. So much more to talk about. I talked to Dan Landing, the Oregon football coach, today for a bit about his... We interrupt this podcast with a special announcement from the Bald Hey, sorry to interrupt the podcast, but if you want to listen to more of the Bald Face Truth Radio Show, including more of this segment that you're listening to, make sure you subscribe on SoundCloud and iTunes to the Bald Face Truth Radio Show. Thanks for listening.